Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On top of today's episode, I would like to encourage anyone with a generous heart to check out the Community Causes page on thestation13.com. While we can't solve all the world's problems, I do hope to make said page a beacon of hope for those in our community going through any unforeseen struggle. A quick reminder, you can always send in things to be added to the Community Causes page via our station email, station13.contact at gmail.com. The Community Causes page is there to help with problems, big or small, whether it is helping your community recover from a wildfire or hurricane, or even funding a gender-affirming surgery a person may need to feel whole. Never be afraid to reach out. Thank you, and on with the show! Hello everyone and welcome back to Station 13. I hope you all are having a lovely fall now that things are finally starting to change colors. Speaking of which, I've noticed an influx of tourists to Wisconsin recently, just for the trees. I do really hope these people know what they're walking into. I know every state has their own creepy crawlies, but ours are just built different. I mean, I don't know how often you have to worry about a six-eyed moose mistaking your car for a convenient napping spot south of Illinois. But that is definitely something to keep in mind up here. Not to mention the garbage gerblins. Yeah, they look cute, but hopefully people know better than to touch them. Anywho, before I forget, last show, I mentioned that I'd be able to get my hands on the autopsy of the infamous feline patches. I do thankfully have that paperwork in front of me now, and it seems there isn't actually too much to share. Though I will say, the crazy cat lady that brought patches to life was indeed off her rocker. As it seems, the creature wrapped in the fur of the local strays like some sick, twisted version of a furry was simply a crypt. How she managed to tame one and make it act like a cat is a mystery to me, as they're usually rather violent creatures. I was kind of hoping for a more thrilling reveal, but I suppose the height and its ability to sow terror in the community now makes a whole lot more sense. Aside from that disappointing news, I luckily haven't received any other strange packages at my door or haunting figures on my doorbell cam in the last few days. However, due to it being spooky season, I did manage to convince a few old friends to send in stories to grace the show, so prepare for a not-so-lighthearted episode of mundane spooks ahead, my friends. The first story I'll be sharing with you today includes a rather odd addiction, so let's jump right into it while the iron's hot. Ever since I was little, I found myself drawn to the oddest things. My mother even claims that I wouldn't stop crying until I heard the crows outside my nursery window. So I suppose it's not entirely surprising that I'd find myself in the situation I'm in now. It seems I've become more like the beings of the woods than a human. 
You see, I find myself in an awful predicament, as I have become addicted to something quite peculiar. Now, before we go judging those we have not met, I have discovered that I am not the only one with such unique tastes. This past weekend, actually, I was invited to a lovely home to indulge myself in such an addiction. And let me tell you, the awe you can inspire in people for things you see as mundane can be immense. Alright, before I ramble on too long in my own obscure way of telling a story, it's probably best if I let you know what this addiction of mine is. Simply put, I am addicted to eating things one probably shouldn't. Dead horrors, hornets, and even occasionally sharp objects. Note, these things are not something you should consume if you have the constitution of a normal human, but to me, these are but snacks in my day-to-day -day life. When I was little, similar to Void, my mother told me the story of little Norma, and while I may not crave massive portions or human flesh, I do find the similarities. My mother, the concerned parent that she was, even took me to the doctor as a child when she caught me eating a butter knife. However, by the time a doctor was able to x-ray my stomach, the knife was dissolved. Of course, we aren't quite sure how I can chew these objects, or how my stomach is able to process them at the present. It's quite the oddity, however, to be in a room with a handful of people that suffer or thrive from similar afflictions. Though this little gift has gotten me in trouble more times than I'd care to mention, like when my first boyfriend walked in on me eating a dead three-eyed monster that had attempted to take up residence in our apartment. Of course, this led him to take up a knife in fear of me, only for me to take his weapon and simply eat it. That may have put me in the hospital for a few days on a psychiatric hold until my mother was able to clear the air. I know this isn't necessarily the story you were looking for, but sometimes there is a thrill and eeriness in the mundane. Now, I don't know which one of my friends sent in this particular story, but I do hope they tell me. It'd make Christmas and birthday gifts so much easier if I could just buy them a nice set of high-quality cutlery for their consumption. Now, for a brief break as I sort out the rest of today's show. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there! 
Good morning, noon, or night, everyone. Garth Strongwater here yet again with the news. Now, I don't have a ton of exciting things to share with you today other than the fact that the beast that once resided outside my window seems to be on the mend. I've also affectionately named him Gregory, and I'm excited that I should be able to pick him up within the next few weeks. I don't know if he'll prefer to continue to sit outside my window or stay inside full-time now, but I suppose we shall see. Alright, in actual news, we are now T-minus three days until Halloween, and I still see so few decorations to scare away the creature that walks that night. Remember last year, how everyone who didn't decorate had their house covered in ooze? Well, that's what you should look forward to this year if you do not decide to decorate. Of course, those that don't acknowledge holidays are usually left alone, but you never know how the creature will choose to respond. Now, before I send you all back to Void, remember to always check your kids' candy. While most scary stories involving razor blades and treats are made up, it's always safer to check first. Also, no one's going to give your kids hard drugs. Honestly, folks, that shit is expensive. <clears throat> anyway, that's all I have for you today. Back to you, Void. I am so thrilled to hear dear Gregory is on the mend, Garth, and I'm happy that he should be home soon. I also thank you for the reminder on how close we are to Halloween. I know my house is decorated, but I also know a few of my neighbors have yet to comply. Oh, speaking of neighbors, I probably should squeeze some confessionals into today's show, so I might as well do that now. But first, I must announce there is an HOA meeting for members of the Hollow Creek community over 45 on the 2nd of November. All right, all right, on to the dirty laundry. Let's see what's in store for us today. Here we go. I have been hiding bits of raw shrimp in my boyfriend's house. I know it'll go bad in the next few days, and I'm just waiting to pull the trigger on the breakup. Oh wow, that one's a little hardcore. Not only will that stink his entire house up, but it'll sure attract garbage gerblins. And while those little rascals are cute, they can be vicious. Especially if they can't find what they're smelling. I do, however, sense some tea here, so I hope this person writes in again with the info. Alright, what's next? Here we go. I've found a new love, and while I feel bad for my old one, and that it will go untouched now, I just can't stop myself from drowning in the beauty of this new model. It is a sin to love something that cannot comprehend love, is it not? Ah, this is the car guy. Yes, my neighborhood has a car guy. Anyway, I got one more here. Let's see. I snuck into my crush's house to leave flowers. I know it isn't right, but I just needed him to know how I feel. I mean, it's not like I truly broke in. I know where the key is. Well, Jesus Christ, now I have to make some phone calls while I... Mmm... Anywho, while I do that, enjoy the music provided to us by the Woodhead Bob and his song, New Eyes.
Thank you so much again, The Woodhead Bob, for letting me use your music on the show. If you like the music you just heard, please follow the link in the show notes to The Woodhead Bob Spotify and give him a follow. If you would like to have your music shared on the show, please feel free to reach out through our website, thestation13.com. Oh, and an update on the calls I just made. It seems my neighbor is going through something far too similar to my own experience. So for now, we're getting him arranged somewhere safe while we get his locks replaced and a security system installed in his home. Now, with that taken care of, I do have some disturbing news for the few of you Hollow Creek residents that take the time to listen to the show. It seems our local neighborhood watch has noticed an increase in forest creatures lately, and not the cute bunnies our locals were feeding to the owls. This doesn't bode well, as fall will be over shortly and this most likely means our local woods will become their winter nesting grounds. It is recommended you buy your outdoor animals safety vests and alert systems now to avoid missing dogs or chickens. I personally have taken down the catio for the season and while my furry co-hosts are displeased by this, at least I know they won't become tasty snacks for our backyard friends and foes. So, reinforce those fences and make sure to add barbed wire, as we are looking at quite the rowdy winter. With my warning out of the way, let's head to Misk for the weather. Hey everyone, Misk here again with your weather. The wind is finally starting to die down a bit, so those of you that celebrate Halloween should look forward to running around without jackets. It seems we're in for a mild heat wave across the United States before fall comes to an end. I know most northern states won't see snow until December, but remember to stock up on snow supplies now. Especially those in Texas, as the state seems to be hit by lower and lower temperatures every year. I'd suggest connecting with family in the north for any advice on how to keep the cold at bay. And also, please do not use hot water on your icy car windows. They will shatter. WD-40 is a much better alternative if you don't already own a window scraper. Now, with Halloween around the corner, keep in mind that the moons turn an ominous shade of blue and red come the 31st. While it's not necessarily a reason to worry, it does turn some of the neutral beings around us hostile, so just keep your wits about you. Oh, and don't forget to turn your clocks back on the 5th if you're living in any state but Arizona. Get yourself that nice extra hour of sleep. Alright, that's all I got. Back to you, Void. Ah, yes, another reminder for what we should be looking forward to on Halloween. Most neighborhoods have a guard or two from the WDPCA or their own local organization on duty, so kids can trick-or-treat safely. But I'd make sure to check with your local township to make sure it is indeed safe to do so. Now, as most of you probably don't know, your host here has a rock on their finger, which means I'm in the throes of planning a wedding. Now, I don't know how people on TV have managed to make it seem so damn easy, but I'm not currently thriving. Everything seems to upset someone, from wanting an outdoor venue in early fall to my color and flower choices. Luckily, my partner is rather chill regarding these things, but the exact opposite can be said for most of my family. Even my father had something to say in the multitude of letters he sent me. I am quite afraid I'll have to eventually put my foot down, but how can I when so many are trying to help me, even if their opinions are unwanted or unnecessary? 
All right, with my short rant out of the way, I have another friend story to share with you regarding her own wedding. Let's see what she chose to share with us today. I probably have a horror story that would strike home with very few, but to me it was the worst day of my fucking life. This is the story of my wedding, a story that seems like it would fit perfectly in the book Carrie. Initially, things seemed to be going just fine, and I had everything planned and set in stone. But of course, life is a fickle mistress, and nothing ever truly goes the way you wish it would. Two weeks before my wedding, I started receiving texts from an unknown number. They weren't threatening at first, but that quickly changed. They'd go from simple things like, How are you today? to, I wonder how you'd look if your fiancé left you at the altar. I'll be honest, at first, I kind of just assumed it was some of my fiancé's friends playing a little prank on me, the bride-to-be, so I put no thought into it, and simply ignored the texts as they came in. Of course, that all changed the moment whoever this was started sending pictures. At first, I couldn't make out what most of them were, just blurry bits of trees or white fabric, but that changed when I began to notice a pattern. All the pictures I was being sent were connected, like a puzzle. So against better judgment, I started printing them. Now, this was only five or so days before the wedding at this point. Things were fully paid for and all of the RSVPs were in. Yes, only five days before my wedding, I finally managed to put together the whole picture. And it wasn't what you probably assumed. No, it wasn't a photo of my fiancé cheating. It was... much worse. There in front of me, taped together like a five-year-old's art project, was a photo from my high school prom. Featuring none other than myself storming out, after catching my boyfriend of three years with someone I had once called family. That's when it clicked who the messages were coming from and that is when I made some calls to have extra security at the wedding. Over the next few days, I received nothing from this mystery number. Not a peep. However, I did notice my fiancé was receiving more messages than usual, but I was always taught not to look a gift horse in the mouth. So I let it go. Turns out I probably should have nipped it in the bud from the beginning. But lessons could never be easy or you wouldn't learn from them. Then came the big day. A day that was supposed to bring me joy. It started rather comfortably. My bridesmaids and I getting ready in our hotel room and loving messages from my husband-to-be flooding my phone. But then I went to put on my dress, and it was in tatters. I remember breaking down right there and my heart started to tear as I stare at my once-dream dress hanging in shreds in the closet. My mother tried to get the video from the hotel staff, but apparently no one had entered the room but us. That's when the text started coming again. Same unknown number, same brazen attitude. Did you get my gift? I wonder how you'll manage now. Despite this, my bridesmaids did manage to get another dress for me. 
and with my makeup touched up, I made it out the door. I didn't have the dress I wanted, and the one I did had a tight fit, but I was determined to make it work. Arriving at the venue, everything seemed to be going along nicely. Our families had made it, and even those living overseas decided to make the trip. I was overjoyed to see so many people there to celebrate my day. But when the bridal march started, my heart came crashing down once more. I don't know how to even properly explain it, but instead of me walking down the aisle, like we had all practiced the night before, I was unceremoniously pushed out of the way by a 500-pound pig in crass makeup and the shreds of my prior dress. Everyone laughed. Every single person. From my fiancé to my parents, all burst out in laughter at the image of a pig walking down the aisle. I remember falling to my knees at that point. My makeup once again smeared down my face as the tears kept coming. From behind me, I heard a snicker and then a voice I had wished to forget. Oh, did you think destroying your dress was my only gift, little sister? Before I watched the woman who I once called my sister walk down the aisle and take vows with the man I loved, I'll be honest, the rest of the event was a bit of a blur, and I woke up a few days later in the hospital with my maid of honor by my side. It took a few years to get the full information about what fully went on, how my sister met my partner, how my dress got shredded, and why I ended up in the hospital. I'll keep it as short as possible, but simply put, my mother had introduced my sister and partner when she started planning my bridal shower earlier this year. And as the conniving snake my sister is, she wanted what was mine. Of course my mother would do anything for her darling firstborn, so she solicited their meeting and encouraged their relationship. Hell, I found out my mother was actually the one to shred my dress. Turns out a few bridesmaids had caught her and she threatened them to stay quiet. To top everything off, I was even drugged while I was getting ready. But apparently my mother can't read proper dosage and basically put me in a coma for a few days. Needless to say, I've since cut ties with my family, and I've kept in touch with only one person from that wedding. My maid of honor. Thank you, Void, for being such a good friend. For being the only person to sit with me until I woke up. Ah, Jesus, fuck, you're gonna get me all sentimental. I said scary stories, not ones that would make me cry. Ah, fuck. For now, let's head over to Cryptid Watch so I can clear my eyes. Welcome back to Cryptid Watch. It's Autumn here again with your bi-monthly update. It seems China wasn't lying when they said these new cryptid cross species may migrate. There have been reports out of Russia and India of giant owls with the heads of snapping turtles, and even more concerning reports from Japan of a lamprey shark sporting the features of a flora alligator. Oh, and speaking of Japan, I do finally have news on the weird rock-like egg they found, as it just hatched this past week. It seems inside of it was a medium-sized lizard-like creature that looked far too much like Godzilla for comfort. 
For now they have the creature in quarantine and are watching it closely to see what it truly turns out to be. Now to more disturbing news coming out of Europe. It seems that while India has reported less giant roses, Europe has a handful of them. Luckily still in stage one, but I do hope they're dealt with swiftly. It seems they were brought as a gift to the king and queen. Whether this was purely an accident or an intentional plot has yet to be seen. It's this reporter's opinion that it's nice to see the British monarchy receive a gift they truly deserve on this occasion. Alright, that's all from me. Back to you, Void. Thank you, Autumn, and boy are those cross cryptids unnerving. Jesus, I really wonder what goes through some people's heads. I remember when someone tried to make their own cat girl and ended up with a panther with human intelligence. Of course, that panther went on to win a Nobel Prize, but it also killed its creator. So tit for tat. Alright, on to the cryptid research. For today's show, I decided to search up the Coal Hollow Road Monster. Let's hop into the report. Every state has their own variation of the Bigfoot. For Illinois, one of those variants goes by the moniker of Cohomo, otherwise known as the Coal Hollow Road Monster. Of course, like many others, this monster was eventually stated to be a hoax, but why not listen anyway to hear how the story unfolds? The first sighting of the Cahomo was reported in May of 1972 by a young man named Randall Emmert. He claims he had seen a large white-haired creature in the woods near Coal Hollow Road in Pekin, Illinois, even going so far as to call into a local radio station to describe what he had seen. As you can probably guess, Randall came forward years later to admit they had never actually seen anything. However, that couldn't stop over 200 individuals from calling the East Peoria police shortly after the initial sighting, claiming to have spotted the same creature. One caller even claims they caught it destroying their fence. Following a few months after the initial sighting in May, a hundred people took to the woods to look for this creature, only to have the search party called off when a volunteer shot himself in the foot. This was followed by more calls to the police station. One person even claimed to see the creature swimming in the Illinois River, and a few days later, another called claiming to have seen it near an abandoned mine. The last sightings, however, were reported by two reliable citizens who claimed to have seen a large creature swimming in the river once more. They got up close enough to claim the creature smelled awful and looked like a cross between an ape and a caveman. Many do truly believe the Kahamo to be a hoax, but many more out there believe it to simply be a Bigfoot wandering through, and that it evaded capture simply by continuing to wander. Of course, evading capture to this day, there are still some reported sightings of such a creature all around Illinois. So can we really blame Randall for lying when it has led others to share what they've seen? Now, while I don't necessarily blame Randall for creating such a hoax, I do think it was rather rude for him to go so far as to call a radio station. Of course, I can't really blame Hysteria either, as Bigfoot and creatures similar to them have been reported everywhere. 
Why should Illinois be any different? Anywho, I know so far our story today hasn't been very spooky, and to apologize for that, and with only three sleeps left until Halloween, I figured I'd dig out one of my more unnerving letters to share with you today. So buckle up and let me share with you the tale of a young woman named Rose, whose stories were bound in the attic of a listener. You see, like letters we've received in the past, Rose was a transmigrant. Now, I don't wish to spoil too much, so let's just get right into it, shall we? Hello, Station 13 crew. My name is Victoria, and I believe I've found something that may interest you. Specifically something for you to read on your show. Recently I found myself in possession of a rundown mansion, and as I was cleaning out the attic I discovered a stack of letters from a woman named Rose. After reading through these letters, I knew you just had to see them for yourself. So enjoy! That was the lovely note attached to a stack of about 30 handwritten pages detailing the life of our dear Rose. For today, I'll only read to you the first half, to give you a reason to tune in again. Here we go. My name is Rose, and I don't belong here. But since I don't see any way home, I have decided to write about my time here. Or, should I say, the woman that took me in convinced me to write about it. How did I get here? Well, that isn't something I can answer yet. I simply remember falling asleep in my warm bed after a night out with some friends and waking up in a field. Above me, two moons hung overhead, and I thought I had simply entered a lucid dream. I am only sixteen, after all, so extremely vivid dreams aren't entirely rare for me. This all changed, however, when I was greeted by the face of what I can only describe as a ghoul staring at me from the tree line, a few feet away. That was the moment reality truly struck as I felt the grass beneath my fingers give way as I forced myself up and into a run. And as it seemed my luck had truly run out, the beast began to chase me. Luckily it didn't take long before I was standing at a stranger's back entryway, and fervently slamming my fists against the door. I will thank my stars until the day my heart stops beating, that someone answered. They seemed thoroughly overwhelmed by my disheveled appearance, until they saw what was making pace to catch up to me, and pulled me inside. The ghoul didn't stop its pursuit, however, and as this kind woman closed the door and shuffled me behind her, it promptly slammed into it. I guess you could call it luck that this woman who had just saved my life was kind. She didn't ask me any questions at first either, simply gave me some clothing from her wardrobe and instructed me to take a quick shower. After I was cleaned, she explained her name was Violet and that I had just seen a crypt, an uncommon forest dweller in the Lake Superior area. When I expressed that I had no idea what that was and how I had woken up under two moons just a moment ago, her face went pale. That ended the questions for the first night, and she simply showed me to a room and told me to get some rest. Sleep, however, was harder said than done at that point, and I could clearly hear her on the phone a floor below. It was quite evident that I wasn't anywhere near home by that point. As the days went by, Violet took time to explain to me the world I had ended up in, 
and with the oddities I found in her home, I had no choice but to believe her. She had things I had only ever heard about in books. A wireless phone, a colored television, and even something she called a computer. The computer actually became quite helpful to me once she showed me how to properly utilize it. But I don't think I'll ever get used to corresponding on it. I much prefer a pen and paper, as I have not yet gotten the hang of the keys. That's probably why the next day she dropped a stack of paper in my room, and a few pens, and suggested I catalog my time here. So I suppose that's what I'm doing now. It seems Rose took the idea of writing of her time quite well, actually, as this is but the first page of many that she took the time to write out. Unfortunately, nothing is dated, but thanks to Victoria, each one was put in the order she thought fit. However, it seems there was quite the time skip from Rose's first written work to the next. So let's read on. I have now been in this strange world for about two years. Violet, the woman who helped me when I first ended up here, decided I should live with her, and with few other options I gratefully accepted. I've managed to learn a lot about her in these past years, and one thing is for certain, she was a mother. I cannot go more than three hours without eating on her watch, and she always makes sure to warn me when I go out about any curfews or creature sightings. Oh, yes, the crypt I saw my first day here still lays waiting on the edge of the forest, face dripping in hunger as its eyes the house. I was worried for a while that it would make its way back to the porch, but Violet claims she salted the edge of the woods, which I didn't think would be effective at first but I was proven wrong. It seems old wives' tales are more than tales here in this strange world. Through the use of the computer, I was even able to do my own research on this place, which I am now assuming is simply a parallel universe, a conclusion that came when I discovered that the two moons and two suns weren't even a constant here. It seems the second set popped up somewhere around the 80s, I even tried to search up my family, but it seems here my family line never existed. And yet things like the Revolutionary War, World War I and World War II still did occur. Of course, despite much searching, I have no explanation for the monstrosities I've seen since ending up here, or the overwhelming feeling of being out of place. Speaking of which, I have made the unfortunate acquaintance of more of this world's oddities. I should probably write that down as well now that I think about it, and so I guess I'll do that here. It was about a year after I landed here, and I was at a park with some locals I had met. We had decided to go swimming in a lake we found when I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. Slowly turning, I was struck aback by the visage of a large hair-like creature on the edge of the lake. It had antlers and the furred body structure of a man. Noticing my expression, the others simply waved me off. Apparently the creature standing before me that filled me with unbridled fear was completely harmless. I didn't believe them, of course, until the creature simply walked back into the forest after observing us. Oddly, I felt calmer after that, and we managed to enjoy the rest of our time swimming and playing games in the water. The real trouble occurred when we were preparing to head home. 
It seems we had lost track of time when the sun was beginning to set over the trees in the distance. I thought nothing of it as I packed my things and pulled on fresh clothing, until I saw a look of panic on one of my newfound friend's faces. It was like they were a small child being scolded for staying out past supper time. Complete and utter fear. Before long, each and every one of my friends took up the same expression. You see, when we went out on our excursion that day, these new friends of mine failed to indulge me in some information. It took a bit of prodding, but I did eventually get the truth. Apparently the park we were in had a curfew of its own, and the curfew happened to be sunset. Sunset, which started about half an hour prior, and was now cascading us in its own form of warning. That's when my expression soured, and with a picked-up pace we started heading back to the main road. The noises started shortly after. Branches cracking a few feet away, an eerie owl that sounded dissimilar to a wolf, and growling. While my friends managed to stay calm, I, on the other hand, was visibly shaken, even leading me to trip a few times and fall behind. Now, I won't call these friends unkind, as we still talk and see each other to this day, but none of them seemed to want to wait for me. Of course, shortly thereafter, I would find out why, as when I had fallen for the upteenth time, I felt something grip my ankle. I don't think I can describe the noise that left my body when my eyes followed the claws from my ankle to what it belonged to. The crypt I met on my first day here haunted my nightmares, but what I saw then would haunt my waking life for months onward. I won't lie. As frantic as a teen girl can be, I kicked it, square in the face, forcing it to jolt back and release me. This luckily gave me the time I needed to pick myself up and run the rest of the way out of that accursed park. When we had all reached the road and began to calm down, I took the time to explain the creature to my friends, each one hanging on to the description with bated breath as we began the long walk home. To describe it here, it was a creature of eldritch horror, fingers long and slender that left a gash on my ankle, a body decrepit and growing moss, and a face that I can only describe as a crocodile skull wrapped around the rotting head of a deer. When I got home, I was thoroughly scolded by Violet, but as gently as she could, she wrapped my ankle and made me a cup of tea. Since that day, I have been careful to read trail signs and check for any local area curfews before I venture into an unknown area. If I've learned anything since that night, I fell asleep in my bed and woke up in a field. It's that this world is far scarier than any horror novel I've read. Honestly makes me wish I could return to my own universe. Maybe I could have written a best-selling book. Alright folks, that's where I'll stop today as I've got several more things to do before this day is over. Rose's story gets quite interesting from here, so I do hope you tune in again to hear the rest of it in the future. However, there are several more stories to continue, so I do hope you stay for all of them. Next time on Station 13, I will be diving back into the letters from Via, 
as well as more from my mom's childhood and my dad's absurdness. So I do hope to see you all with us again. And as a small announcement, after this episode, all future episodes of Station 13 will be releasing on a Monday. If you'd like access to early episodes, up to a week early, please join our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Thank you. And for now, it's 10pm. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you everyone for joining us again on Station 13. We appreciate the returning and new listeners alike. Now, quickly before I leave you all, I would like to give a special thanks to our staff. That includes Lyric, whom you can find under Lapcat Creations on most platforms, Rain, who can be found on the podcast Onward and Onward, and Rook, who voices Autumn, who is as ambiguous as their creation. Special thanks goes out to those on our Discord and Kate Gardner for reading our commercials. You can find her work at kgardnerbooks.com. If you'd like to join our Discord or find our various other social medias, please peruse the link tree in the show notes at your leisure. If you find yourself enjoying Station 13, I do recommend you try the podcast that helped inspire it all, Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High. They are currently on hiatus, and now would be the perfect time to binge their tales of adventure. Anywho, that's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you all next time on Station 13.